0: You want it world by world. World by by world, level level by level. Hey, I can appreciate that. It's very deep, by the way, if you think about
1: it.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week.
3: Jaron, walk me through the fourth down play call to Puka on the throw and the game-winning touchdown pass.
4: Yeah, we just figured take a matchup. You know, they've, they've been giving us matchups outside the whole night. It's tough to have safety help, you know, in that close part of the field. So we put 12 out there against anybody would like those odds. How poetic is it that it's a fourth down conversion where you guys have struggled a
3: lot this season to convert that play against this team on this field on the road?
4: Yeah, just grit. You know, we've talked about it for weeks now. So it hasn't gone our way in a lot of those situations, but every week we preach that we need to be better at that. Uh, and we honestly, we truly believe it deep down that we can convert those those plays. So, you know, a couple of times it didn't go our way, but when it mattered at the end, we knew we could do it. And, and that's what we did. Coaches put faith in us and let us make a play. What does a win like this mean for you and the team,
3: given the struggles that you've gone through recently?
4: Yeah, man, it just shows that that's part of life. You, you go through your struggles, but you persevere, and you do it because of the guys next to you. Regardless of what people have been saying outside of our building, it was always about us the whole time. You know, we knew we band together. We wouldn't break apart. We wouldn't let anything else break us apart, and that just showed tonight. Serious frustration for
3: you guys when you don't get the touchdown call right before halftime. How do you overcome something like that?
4: It's a lot of game left. That's the bottom line. We still have two quarters left. We knew we could come out and score points. So regardless of what happens on that play, you know, next time we can just get our whole body in and get it across, get a bit better surge. Who knows what we could do? Uh, but just not leave it in the in the referee's hands. What were the emotions
3: in the huddle and on the sideline like in the fourth quarter when this game all of a sudden turned into a back-and-forth shootout?
4: Just energy, you know, regardless of who was scoring or who was doing good, who wasn't playing as good as they wanted. Just energy, offense and defense together, just, just, you know, backing each other up. Energy was our focus all night, and that's what it was. As a quarterback for
3: BYU and given the up and downs of, of this season, what does this do for the team pushing forward to the final two games and hopefully a bowl game?
4: Yeah, again, a bowl game. That's a big part of our season. You know, that's what we look forward to, and we still got to win another one to get there. So, you know, the focus is to win the next one, get bowl eligible, and go from there. You told me earlier this week. You told me earlier this week. This is absolutely a rivalry game. Probably the last one with Boise State for a while. What what additional meaning does it add to that? The blue turf. I think it's the second win we've gotten here. So it's any big rivalry game. You know, we, we look forward to this game all year, and every year. You know, it's always one of the focuses for us to win the rivalries. And so, it, as one of our goals, you know, it's it just feels so good to accomplish that. Come up here and get a win. Just in front of you, thousands of BYU fans. Oh! <laughs> Jared Hall, baby. Oh, this guy. Jared Hall. You have a headache, huh? I love you, man. I've a I know heavy. your head hurts. My head hurts, My head hurts. All,
1: baby. You see
3: thousands of BYU fans are gathering and cheering for you. What does it mean to you to see this site?
4: Uh, it's beautiful, man. It's it's why a lot of people come to BYU and play here. You have, you have fans all over the country, all over the world. Um, it's unbelievable the support they give us. You know, through the thick and thin this year, we had a lot of a lot of thick lately. Uh, but you know, all these fans that are out here still, regardless of the last couple weeks, it means a lot.
3: All right, you got to go take a team picture. So I'm gonna let you get to it. Congratulations, Jaron.
4: Thank you. Appreciate you guys. How
3: about his total game? Between passing and rushing, Jerry. Gener- I mean, we, career high 459. You got to go back to probably the Taysom Hill performance against Houston to find like it a, literally a was total comparison, right?
5: Yeah, like Taysom went. It literally was the most since uh, since Taysom Hill did that. Since Taysom. Hill. Wow. Yeah.
3: 2013 at Houston, which was just yeah. a
5: war. That was a 400-100. Like <laughs> that. Uh, at wild. the time that had happened, seven times in NCAA history. And and for Jaron to go 377 and 82, uh, career high 459. amazing. By the way, Jaron Hall in starts against rivals. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. Four and one. Ooh. Four and one. The one loss was Boy State uh, last year.
3: Uh, it's taking care of business. One and over rivals. Utah.
5: One and one versus Boy State. Two and over Utah State. He didn't start. Oh, sorry. Three and over Boy Boise State because he started in 20. Oh,
3: no, 3-0 against 19.
5: Utah State? 3-0 against Utah State. Yes, 3-0. So it's 5-1 versus rivals.
3: Well done, Jaron Hall.
5: Including ending the streak against Utah. Although, we'd like to thank Charlie Brewer uh, quite a bit for that one. Apparently, but, uh, yeah.
3: yeah. Man, the road team in this series between BYU and Boise State, last three years, the road team has won every one of
5: those guys. Well, is it even hard to win on the blue now? Uh, BuA's won three in a row, including, <gasps> uh, you know, the, the Western Michigan famous Idaho potato bowl, eighteen twenty and now 22. Take
3: care of business up there.
5: So, is BYU, yeah. is BYU hey, going
3: back to the famous Idaho potato BYU bowl? If BYU needs this a year?
5: winnable G5, it uh, could be Boise State on the road now. I'm kidding. It's always tough to Send win. Send
3: BYU back to Idaho for the bowl game. They win up there.
5: <laughs> no! <laughs> they don't want that. <laughs> Nobody
3: wants that. I think it's, it's going to be Texas for what it's worth. Somewhere so in Texas.
5: It's, it's a big state. The, yeah. the chances are. That, Bowl game somewhere yeah, in Texas. Playing the numbers there.
2: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
3: Ah, how the expectations shift in this ever-changing BYU sports world. Specifically for BYU football, Jason, as now midweek of this bye week, we send it forward to now thinking about BYU in the Big 12. At this point next year, where will the Cougars be in terms of a record and production? Who's the quarterback going to be, for crying out loud? So many different things are going to be in play for BYU football next year. But this season and previous seasons are certainly shaping expectations for BYU fans and for us here in Studio B on what to really expect once BYU gets into the Big 12. So let's just zero in on this season. Right now, BYU 5-5, five and five. how has this season modified your expectations for BYU in year one of Big 12 football? I don't know if it's necessarily
0: modified anything. I'm not sure that's the word that I would use. I, I think the word I would use is probably reinforced what I knew was going to be the case going in. Oh. And it's it's not going to be easy. And that doesn't mean that I'm not optimistic. But I, I think we, we all need to realize what BYU is about to do is a big-time step. And that doesn't mean that if BYU comes out and isn't winning every game right out of the gate that that everything is all for naught. You're taking a massive step up in competition week in and week out. Everything is different. And so for me, I always knew that. Now that doesn't mean I'm not hopeful. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I'm not optimistic, that things can progress quick enough that maybe some of the lulls you don't have to go through as long But it reinforces just how difficult a step this is for BYU. And look, the good news for BYU is they have other people's track record to look at. Now, far be it from me to use Utah as an example. Oh, but you you kind of have to. You know it hurts me. but You kind of have to. They were in this situation. In fact, there's only two other teams that have been in this situation where you've gone from a G5 conference to P5 status. That's Utah and that's TCU so I looked back at both of those schools and what they did and what I specifically looked at was how long did it take these teams before they were above 500 okay. in conference okay because that's what I'm looking at for Utah it took them three years from they went in at 11. By the first time they were above 500 was 14. Okay. For TCU, it took them two years, and they had one heck of a – they were 8-1 and one in 14. But so, I mean, it's, it's – there is a track record of teams that have done this that even good programs, there's an adjustment period, and I hope people realize that, and I hope people don't look at that as a negative thing. Okay. It's what has to happen as you make this step up. Okay. So I think it reinforces to me – how difficult this is, and that it puts everything into perspective. Again, you can be hopeful, and maybe, maybe BYU can buck the trend. That's what we all hope. But going in expecting that, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be disappointed. Let me talk to
3: my video game friends, okay? And I know a lot of you love to play video games. Even our older generation at one point, you played video games probably. This is BYU football going from... Beginner to advanced level, Jason. I know that you're a big Pac-Man guy, big Mario guy, or not. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. Okay? Love him, of course. You are, you are now advancing from level one, stage one, in the first ever Mario game, now directly into Bowser's Castle in level six or seven. Okay? Th- this is what BYU football is doing. It, is, it does not take a ton of logic to comprehend that BYU is going from beginner to advanced. Or for NCAA 2014 video game fans, you're going from varsity level to all-American all level.
0: If I may, to use your Nintendo Super Mario Brothers analogy, Please. For, for all the people I think you'll understand this, if you truly want to be the best at Super Mario Brothers, you take it level after level after level. You know when you get in, into trouble? When you warp, when you try and warp. And when you sneak warp, your way and you skip a couple of worlds, <laughs> and then you're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 This is coming at me too fast."
3: That's what I'm saying. We live in a world where people want shortcuts, though. So I'm glad you brought that up. Like, there is no warp zone for BYU football to automatically go into the Big 12 and just be awesome. That does not exist in the reality of college football as we know it. BYU, sure. They might go into year one of the Big 12 and let's say they end up with a winning record. Incredible. That doesn't, that doesn't qualify as a warp zone. I mean, a warp, people want BYU to automatically be a top 25 team and be competing for one of the top tier bowl games that are tied to the Big 12. It just does not seem realistic. It seems unfair to Coach Satake yes. and his staff and the players that come back to heap those expectations on them where it's like, Well, BYU won 11 games in 2020, and they won 10 games in 2021. A little bit of a drop off last year, but I mean, the trend is BYU's probably going to win nine or 10 games. It's it just feels unfair. It feels unfair to do that. You're going from beginner to advanced. It's going to take a little while. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to throw the controller a little bit. Okay, you're going to (laughs) lose. Sounds like somebody's throwing some controllers. Hey. Turn it off and calm down, okay? Turn it off because I am not buying you another controller. BYU, and we're talking case studies. So I'm glad you brought up TCU and Utah. I thought, okay, well, let's look at BYU's unique stance within independence and go back four to five years and just look how BYU has fared against Power 5 competition. So if we include 2018-2019, 2020 BYU didn't play any Power 5s out of their control because of the covid scenario, played 7 power 5s in 2021 and have played 4 thus far with Stanford still looming. In those 20 games, BYU's record 11 and 9. Okay, pretty good, including 6 and 1 in 2021. Now, Jason, we need to look at this with a, a little bit of a lens that sees Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson as the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Okay, BYU had two very, very good quarterbacks in this scenario. They had an NFL running back in Tyler Algier over the last two years, not to mention Dax Milne and a bunch of other NFL guys in that five-year span. BYU's had really good players. So much of this game is based around your quarterback. So while I would love to say, okay, BYU's going to win – 55% 55% of the games in the Big 12 next year. They're going to go 5-4. and four. That, that would be fantastic. But that's assuming that BYU's quarterback is going to be locked and loaded, ready to go, and is going to be on the level of Jaron Hall. And I think that, too, is unfair. We don't know who BYU's quarterback is going to be next year leading them into the Big 12. Jacob Conover is there. Cade Fenigan is there. I feel strongly BYU is going to attack the transfer portal hard go after some Juco guys potentially, and see what else is out there. We have no idea who the quarterback is going to be, and that is a major point of concern. You, you know as well as yeah. I know that football is so much about who your quarterback is. Yes, yes. It's so much
0: about who your quarterback is. It's, it's the number one position in all of sports.
3: So if BYU has a capable quarterback and they bring back a solid offensive line, I think it's fair to say – Go four and five in the Big 12. Go four and five at your nine games, win two of your three non-conference games, and get to six and six. So my expectations to answer the original question really have not shifted from a year ago and from before this season, certainly. I felt like BYU was capable of going six and six. That still requires BYU to go out and get a capable quarterback. Not an elite quarterback just give me a capable quarterback that maybe can build towards something special a couple of years into the Big 12. It's going to get tougher. BYU can go 2-1, and one, beat Southern Utah, beat Sam Houston State, who knows what happens at Arkansas, and then win four of the nine yep. Big 12 games. Again, out of the last 20 Power 5 games over the last five years, 11-9, but that's with Zach Wilson primarily and Jaron Hall, a little bit of Tanner Mangum sprinkled in there. So I feel like maybe – wins against Power 5 competition is a fair expectation, which then, and I'm shouting out to my guy Cougar Stats, he'll love this because over the course of BYU football, it's been about a 40% win rate against Power 5 competition. I think that's a fair way to shape this thing. Well,
0: and look, and it's, I just, I hope people go in with the right frame of mind. It doesn't, doesn't
3: it's a lot to ask,
0: it doesn't. Right? Da- it doesn't, da- doesn't dampen your excitement for what's ahead. Look, I'm, I'm as excited as anybody. I've been wanting this for as long as I can remember, you know, that we knew this was a possibility and whether BYU is going to be in or out over the last decade. Like, I, I have been a proponent of this. I cannot wait for it. I'm, I'm as pumped as anybody. But go in with the right frame of mind that this is going to take some time, and that's okay. Look, a perfect example. Now, this is a local example, but a perfect example of this is what we're seeing right now with the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz tore down and were in a rebuild mode. Everybody thought that they were going to be horrible to start this year. Everybody sort of readjusted and you're like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy the journey. I like where we're going. I can see a future, but I'm going to enjoy things along the way. If, if, somebody, if they surprise us along the way, great. Well, guess what? The Utah Jazz have the best record in the Western Conference right now. Nobody saw that coming. So we're not saying that, this, that BYU can't come out of the gate and be hot out of the gate and win. We're just saying don't expect something like that because the track record of others who have done it says it's very, very difficult to do. So go in with the right frame of mind. Enjoy the process and enjoy where the program is going and the
3: ride along the way. It all comes down to Danny Ainge, doesn't it? Yes, There's it does. your BYU tie for the go. Utah Jazz, not go. Ryan Smith, the owner. Some BYU guys involved in that process there. Uh, for, listen, Jason, 6-6, six and, six, and and maybe, like I had a thought this morning where I was like, is 6-6 six and six too ambitious of a thought for BYU next year? Because looking at the Utah example you brought up, yeah, it took them a little more than three years to get to that over 500 record, they had a couple of losing seasons in there overall. G- yes. Well, the, se- the the first year, the the
0: first year for the University of Utah, they had a winning record overall. They were 8 and 5 overall, but 4 and 5 in, Pac-12 in the play. Pac-12. The second year, in in fact, the, the second and third year, they were 2 games under 500 overall, two back-to-back 5 and 7 yes. seasons and 3 and 6 in Pac-12 play and then
3: 2 and 7. Okay, so this is a possibility. It is a possibility. It would be unfair to say that it's not like, oh, well, BYU has, they have played in an independent schedule, like the transition's not going to be as rough. There may be a little bit of truth to that. BYU is not going from a group of five schedule to a power five schedule. So maybe, and I think that's fair. BYU is yes. a little ahead of the curve in understanding of what it's going to be like to now transition to a full power five. Yes, I believe schedule. I believe,
0: believe BYU, because of what they've done as an independent and the scheduling that they've had, yes. they are more prepared going into year one than probably Utah and TCU. Now, now what that results in,
3: term, in terms of wins and losses, there's no way to know. The coaches have a better understanding. Yes. Certainly, Coach Otake yes. knows, like, okay, we faced seven power fives last year. And even this year, Jason – With the five Power Fives, but look at the group of five teams BYU has faced. Boise State, ECU, Liberty, we're finding out, all pretty good. Boise State's probably the worst of those three teams. How crazy is that? I know, that's pretty good. Liberty and ECU better than Boise State. So the Cougars are more acclimated from a staff perspective and from players having gone through it to transitioning into a full Power Five schedule, but they're still not quite there yet. This season has just reinforced my expectations that the Cougars can go four and five in the first nine games of Big 12 play. They can win two of the three non-con be six and six and go to a bowl game. And I think that would be a nice accomplishment in year one because your quarterback is leaving and because Puka Nakua is probably leaving. Who are the new stars going to be? It's, it's Lay the
0: groundwork in a new yes. chapter yes. in the athletic program.
3: It's okay. Yes. Six and six is
0: okay. Totally fair to expect that. Look, and then then hope for more. But set your expectations realistic.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Sugar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your
0: e-commerce logistics shipping partner. After the win over Idaho State, uh, BYU basketball is no longer listed in the next four out category in the latest bracketology. How dare they? Uh, would a win at San Diego State on
3: Friday night put BYU back on the bubble? Absolutely it would. We're talking about the 19th ranked team in the country right now. A road win at Viejas always resonates with the people that care about making brackets and talking about early season quad one win opportunities, and it'll resonate on the Ken Pomeroy stat sheet. Yes, BYU would be right back on the bubble. It's that prominent yes. of an opportunity. Yes, San Diego State has that much clout,
0: as you mentioned, ranked 19th, and let's not forget, this is a future P5 matchup between the Big 12 and the Pac-12.
3: Ooh. See? Do you really think San Diego State is gonna end up in the Pac-12?
0: I gotta know, Dan Patrick was very adamant this was happening. And everybody that that uh, sort of like tried to push it away, they didn't say it wasn't going to happen. They pushed away on the time frame.
3: Uh, okay. So we will see. Right. We will see. Hey, more BYU San Diego State matchups. I yep. love that in basketball for sure. In the latest college football playoff rankings, Jason, Future Big 12 comrade and foe, TCU is ranked number four. The undefeated Horned Frogs have a shot, Jason. Are you cheering for TCU to make the college football playoff right now? Look, in the
0: Mountain West days, I really hated TCU very much, but I think I am for the good of the conference. And how long has it been since we've been able to say that? I'm so excited.
3: (laughs) So, yes.
0: Let's go Horn Frog. BYU's
3: not in the Big 12 right now, so it makes it a little easier for you? Well, they, you know, there, have, there hasn't been any
0: incidents, you know, on the field <laughs> where we get really angry at each other.
3: <laughs> so, it's been long now since that 51-50 yeah. debacle oh. in 2005 and them ruining BYU's quest for perfection in 2008. Uh, what, what about you? Are you pulling for them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I let's am. let's pull for him. I just like the fact that it's something different. Yes. Right? The fact that Alabama's not in the top four, and there's TCU, maybe Oregon's got an outside shot. What? All right, we've talked about bracketology. How about the
0: latest bowl projections oh, for I BYU? Oh, some good
3: bowl projections. All right, according
0: to ESPN, Cougs in the Lending Tree Bowl versus Troy, some guy named Troy, I kid or the New Mexico Bowl versus San Jose State, CBS, has the Cougars in the Armed Forces Bowl okay. versus SMU. All right. Uh, Sports Illustrated, the Independence Bowl versus Cincinnati. Oh, no. The, the Athletic, First Responder Bowl versus UNLV. Eh. And USA Today, the First Responder Bowl versus Iowa State. Your favorite matchup is, a win. Oh. is what?
3: It's the First Responder Bowl in Texas against Iowa State. Mm. Though I do like the pre-Christmas bowl scenario, uh, so maybe the Armed Forces Bowl against high-scoring SMU yeah. could be a fun game. Yeah, Iowa I it would be fun. I don't want BYU to go back to Shreveport. They did that last year. I've seen enough of Shreveport, been there twice in the last year. I'm good. Yeah, I- I'm with you. I think the USA Today, the first responder bowl versus Iowa State, a little preview of things okay. to come. So I'm cool with that one. Jason, a Boise State fan posted a picture of Jaron Hall and several key members of his offensive line eating burgers at five guys The night before BYU broke the losing streak at Boise State and won on the blue. It was a tasty burger, some secret sauce, or the secret sauce for BYU turning things
0: around. Look, I don't know if it was, I, but if that's gonna help, whatever. We got we got a Five Guys right down the road. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next. We'll see you
3: next Friday night before the game against Utah Tech. Jaron, and I fully anticipate that you will be taking your offensive line to Five Guys Friday night before the Utah Tech game, and find a Five Guys somewhere in Palo Alto as well. Yes, they got them.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
3: Joining us now from lovely San Diego, much warmer than the weather we're experiencing currently in Provo, is another Spencer, Spencer Johnson. Welcome to the show, man. How are things going?
1: What's up, guys? Good to be here. This weather in San Diego, unbelievable.
5: Listen, if the Mormon Battalion had just stayed there, we could have all been in San Diego right now. You know what I'm saying?
1: I know. Why didn't Brigham Young say this is the place right here?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, San Diego. Spencer, you've had a fantastic week and one that has taken you to, you know, some highs for sure, hitting the game-winning shot. So how do you properly come back down after that stratospheric high of hitting the game winner in a clutch situation against Idaho State and get back to work?
1: Man, well, that was a crazy moment. It was like uh, obviously uh, something you always dream about. Um, but for me, it's just like I just got to be here in the moment and just focus on what I'm doing. And, you know, we got a big-time game tonight against a really, really good opponent. So definitely got to got to be locked in on them and, and what they're – the whole game plan is.
5: Before we talk about the Aztecs, uh, which is such a great game. I've, I've loved this game every year for the past several years. How many texts, DMs on social media did you get after Monday night?
1: <laughs> a lot. A lot, man. I, was, I tried to stay off my phone. I was on it for like 10, 15 minutes. Then I put it away. I was like, I, I can't do this right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, you got you to manage the madness, right? And, That's right. Whether it's good or bad. So how has the team, like you, you obviously are trying to get back to even killing, get ready for San Diego State. How has the team digested the Idaho State win in terms of, hey, we know we can play better, but we found a way to win, and we know San Diego State's going to be way better. So where are you as a team right now mentally?
1: You know, I think we're in a good spot. Our coaches have done a really good job of, of pushing this scout on us really hard. Um, try to focus on you know, the keys to the game, which uh, will give us the best shot to win. So we've really been focusing on that the past couple days, and um, So mentally, I think we're in a good place. We're confident. We're ready to go. And, and tonight's going to be a great night.
5: You and the Cougs are 2-0 and against San Diego State the last two years. So what are some of the uh, winning ways to beating a San Diego State team that's always super long and physical?
1: Yeah. Well, they rebound the ball like crazy, man. They got some big guys. So we definitely, <clears throat> we got to box out. We got to keep them off the glass. Um, we got to limit our turnovers, which is, which was an issue in our first game. We got to take care of the ball cause they're ultra aggressive trying to, you know, swipe at it and take it from you. So we gotta, gotta take care of that and obviously just, just make plays for each other. In our first game, we didn't have a ton of, uh, really open looks you know we were taking a lot of tough shots and um, if we could get into the paint against this the san diego state team i think we're going to have a lot of driving kicks and we're just going to have a lot more open shots
3: spencer for what it's worth and i know jerem just mentioned you've won the last two against san diego state byu has won four of the last five games overall in viejas arena which is wild because san diego state is so good at home is there sure. something special about that gym that makes BYU feel good? What is it?
1: It might be the Jimmer effect, man, just rubbing off on
5: us. <laughs> <laughs> the That's Noah Hartsock effect yeah, too. Maybe so. Well, yeah. and, and two years ago there were no fans in there. Uh, it was a it yeah. was like a COVID game with the sh- But the show will be there. The the wannabe return missionaries uh, will be there in the crowd. That's right. But, uh, yeah, th- and this is a big game. And, Spencer, you guys, obviously, you want to make the NCAA tournament. This is a quad one opportunity. They're ranked in the top 25. Last year, you guys went early on the road in November, early December to Oregon. Boom, laid the smackdown. So, mm. um, I- talk to me about the confidence of this team, as you mentioned, coming off of Monday, knowing, yeah, you can play better because, let's be honest, you guys were, I, I brought it up, four of 32 outside the restricted area. That number is going to go way up tonight, you'd think.
1: Totally, totally. You know, I think our confidence is higher right now because we're like, hey, we've seen where we're at kind of in a little slump, but like it's time to take a next step up. Like we can only go up from here, right? So I think that's something we're looking forward to and um, just have the most confidence in my guys and my teammates, and, and we're just excited to get it rolling tonight.
3: Spencer Johnson of BYU Men's Basketball is on BYU Sports Nation. He's also a newly converted Miami Dolphins fan. Doesn't hey, it's going well. Hey, absolutely. Things are going well with Tua. Maybe we'll talk about it in a second. But, Spencer, <laughs> I, need to, I need to ask you, how do you simulate you – know, you just gave us the keys to the game tonight, which rebounding, taking care of the ball against a really yeah. aggressive defense from San Diego State. How do you simulate that in practice and get better in that regard?
1: um we didn't call a lot of fouls in practice these past couple days so um it really was just like when you drive into the paint you have to expect dudes to just be raking all over our arm like I have a bunch of scratches all over my arm just from our our scout team was just so good this week and um so that's something that I mean you just can't make excuses you just got to man up and do it
5: what's this road trip like right uh, with this team, because obviously you talked about the weather, but it's the first one on the road with this group. Who's like yeah. who's like the the funnest guy to hang out with? Who's your roommate and so on?
1: Well, I'm rooming with Trev. He's uh, I think he's running on the treadmill right now, but uh, um, Rudy's pretty fun on the road. Um, Trading said I don't know if you guys know him. He's a pretty funny guy. He's a good dude. Okay, been hanging out with him a little bit so. Um, but we got in late last night, so we haven't had a ton of a ton of time to kind of hang out and do stuff. But it's been fun.
5: And you went out of uh, you flew out of Provo, right? Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: Yeah, we flew. Have you guys hopped on Breeze Airways yet? Haven't we been but, No, but up. I know it's. Uh, they're
5: now at Provo. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was pretty nice. Okay, because
5: and, and you used to go out of Salt Lake in non-conference and then Provo in conference. Is that right? Is this new that you're going out of Provo in non conference
1: no, so ever since I got here, we've always gone out of Provo.
5: Oh, the it's Spencer super, Johnson. It's super era. nice. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spencer Johnson. Hit a game gets winning era.
3: shot and they'll bring in the private know, plane, man. Breeze Airways, yeah. and take you to San Diego.
5: Hey,
1: that's pretty nice. That's crazy. Man.
5: And the Provo Airport, let's be honest, that thing's nice. You just you just
1: walk out there. It's like Smaller 10 airport. minutes. Awesome. We drove our car right up to the plane, oh. walked right on.
3: Yeah, love that. Beautiful. All right, Spencer, a uh, few quick questions before you go. First of all, you brought up Rudy Williams. How has Rudy been in practice this week? Because he was visibly and understandably frustrated after the game against Idaho State.
1: Totally, um, you know, he's played college basketball for a while, so he knows, you know, uh, how this game goes, and and he's fine. Like he took a, he he bounced back, and he's like, I'm not going to let that game. You know, affect me. I'm just going to move on and I'm going to play hard and, and I'm going to play with my guys. And um, so I expect him to have, you know, a bounce back game. He's going to play well tonight.
3: And then, secondly, his backup, Dallin Hall, was really, really good in a tough scenario to help, you know, just do his part and do his role. We learned something about Dallin yesterday. He has an incredible ability to do an impression of Korg from Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> We're going to
5: hear that in the next segment.
1: It's so good. <laughs> Do
3: you do any impressions?
1: I don't do any impressions, but I know Dallin has some other ones that you guys should definitely Oh, really? Nice. Really? Yeah. Okay, so this is
3: something we need to explore.
1: Yeah, I might be throwing him under the bus, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is.
5: Hey, he's a freshman. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> All
3: right, Spence. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the game tonight at Viejas Arena. Let's go, baby! Continue that domination in San Diego, and uh, enjoy yourself tonight playing in front of what's going to be a fun hostile crowd.
2: Let's
1: go! Thanks, guys.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 5-5 five five BYU with a much-needed
3: bye week after ten straight games. Two years in a row. Ten straight games, two years in a row, which was quickly pointed out by Elisa Tuiaki. We yep. brought that up on Coordinator's
5: Corner. Yep. He's I, never I dealt with
3: anything like that in all of his football playing and coaching career.
5: And that's over. Woo. BYU's not going to have to do that anymore.
3: Maybe ten straight factors into our trending discussion today, as does strength of schedule, but a tweet to set the stage. This from at Brett Bryce, listener and follower of the program, said BYU just beat a Boise State team that some commentators were projecting as of last week for a New Year's Six bowl game. <laughs> Liberty beat Arkansas. Notre Dame destroyed. Clemson, who was number four, uh-huh. East Carolina beat number twenty-five UCF two weeks ago. Then won at BYU, of course. Oregon is in the top ten. Time for some apologies from some BYU fans.
5: Brett looks like Zach Hicken, by the way, Ooh. our friend.
3: <laughs> Zach. Hicken he looks with a like beard. Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing what we know about the BYU opponents and yeah. how the schedule is now
5: shaken out. Oh, we're talking schedule.
3: Do you view – do you, Jerem, master of scheduling, view the four-game losing streak specifically, like the bottoming out, do yeah. you view that any differently?
5: More like master of complaining about the scheduling. Um, I I do not. I, I think that BYU still could have won the Notre Dame game, Spence. I know, I know that's a top-20 team now, according to the college football playoff, because Notre Dame, there are other six and three teams who have – Bad losses who aren't in that situation. Eh, the luster of the gold flex, I guess. Mm-hmm. Arkansas was winnable. If the offense has a few more conversions, defense shows up. Um, ECU is absolutely a winnable game. BYU should have won that game. So, no, I, I don't apologize for that. There are only two games where I just tip the hat and go, there was no way BYU is winning those games. Yeah, BYU games. got their butts kicked. Collecting. Oregon and Liberty. Yes. I, honestly, Liberty to me is underrated and undervalued nationally, I think because they're an independent kind of a new player on the scene. And they'll probably go away a, few, a little bit A few freeze leaves, right? Uh, there's some opportunities there for him. But um, – yeah, no, no, I don't apologize for that. Obviously, Notre Dame is better than we think, but they still lost to Marshall and Stanford. Marshall's 5-4. and four. Stanford's 3-6. and six. BYU could have and probably should have won that game. Unfortunately, Jaren's hurt, and unfortunately, BYU, as Aaron Roderick pointed out on Coordinator's Corner with you, doesn't have a third or fourth down back that can get a yard right now The BYU feels confident in. That's disappointing because... Ah, Chris Brooks, Lopini, Miles, banged up. Yeah. But still, I think even if healthy, it's still a concern. Um, so that's an issue. So it so should have beat Notre Dame. Not a bad loss, but should have beaten Notre Dame. Again, everyone's screaming at me, this is a bad loss. It's not a bad loss. In the uh, top clearly point. now okay. people have changed
3: I've... their tune on Notre Dame. Didn't listen to me. They're after looking that one. more like the team we thought they would originally be. That they are who the we season... thought they were,
2: and we let them off the hook.
3: This team went into the season to rank number five. They're starting to look a little bit like that team we thought sure. they would be.
5: Still should have won that game, I think. Although, Agreed. Although, Agreed. Although, the although, offense
3: was so bad in the first half, and still had a shot.
5: Arkansas could have been a win. Defense has got to show up. Not give up six. Four. Got the ball. You're up four. The you got to beat D.C.U. So I'm saying during those four, BYU should have gone two and two. BYU, I would hope, would be seven and three right now. No, no worse than six and four. Five and five is like worst case scenario. Obviously, you lose all four. That's worst case scenario, I think.
3: I think what Brett Bryce is getting at specifically is I can't believe BYU lost to Liberty and East Carolina terrible losses because they're not these name brand programs, but we're getting way past that stage. Like I feel like parity in college football is at an all-time high Parity in college sports is at an all-time high the difference between. Like, if you take away the top four college football teams right now, like, the top four kind of in a class of their own. But I feel like, you know, five and six, you go down to, like, 45 to 50. Like, ECU could challenge a lot of top ten teams. And Liberty would give a good game to a ton of top-tier
5: teams. Yeah, and you know who's not in the top four for the first time in the college football playoff era and Clemson.
3: And like, like neither of yes. them are in
5: there for the first time.
3: But the the margin of error is is getting much more thin and and slim when you are trying to differentiate between these programs
5: because certain programs can't just pay and and buy these players under the table. It's out in the open with NIL Absol- now. Absolutely, it's
3: a game changer. Right? Still the under the table. transfer portal but, has yeah. been a huge factor in impacting teams like Liberty and East yeah. Carolina. You look at their rosters you're like. Oh, man, they got some dudes that went to some big-time programs that then decided, uh, it's not for me, I'm not getting much playing time, or for whatever reason, NIL deals I deal thought is they all went to A&M. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot they of them have gone to A&M and then transferred on, right? Upstate's like, yeah, yeah, they're great. But the transfer portal, NIL, uh, there are a ton of reasons that have now made, that have increased parity in college football. I think it's good for the game. I love it. Sure. But it certainly makes winning football games a lot harder for a team like BYU. I think BYU should be 7-3, and three. so I'm with you. I'm not ready to say, oh, man, we need you to You know ap- what? We need yeah, to apologize. No. Like, BYU, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not there. Even though BYU had to play 10 straight games, this team is still good enough to be 7-3 and three with a couple of adjustments.
5: That's despite all the injuries.
3: Convert some fourth-down plays. Mm-hmm. Don't be 6-for-21 on fourth-down conversions. And BYU's at worst 6-4, and four, if not 7-3, and three, because you're thinking about plays they couldn't convert at critical junctures against ECU and Arkansas alone changes those two games right there. Yes, it does. Like, just, it's that fickle. It's, it's crazy. That's why it will drive a, a
5: sane man crazy. And BYU converted one of those with Puka Nakua. Don't forget that. Yes. Like, the positive end of that, where it's like, what if BYU Fine. doesn't make, what if they rule against BYU again? Uh, on, on the uh, replay. But BYU could be in trouble. Let's look at a couple of numbers that send, kind of tell a story here, okay? Opponent record since playing BYU. Mm. Ben Bagley dug this up this morning. Okay. Only South Florida, who stinks. They fired Jeff Scott. By far the worst team on BYU. Has skills. a losing record since playing BYU. Look at these numbers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like Oregon undefeated. Amazing, right? Wyoming and Utah State are 3-1. Since playing Brigham. Notre Dame's good. Arkansas split. They lost to Liberty at home, by the way. Uh, Liberty 1-0, and uh, uh, East Carolina had a bye And Boise State, obviously, was the last game. All these teams are
3: continuing to win after they beat BYU.
5: We didn't think this overall schedule would be this difficult. But it's been hard, and BYU's been banged up. And so that means BYU's not going to win nine-plus games in those seasons. Welcome to the Big 12 schedules, because this is what it's going to be like. You're going to have more ECUs than you think if you will, okay, in the Big 12. Can I call an audible here?
3: I'm just sure. going to say the opponent name that BYU has played thus far. Okay. And you tell me worse, expected, or better.
5: Oh, then Kay. preseason? Yes. Kay. Kay? Okay. So we'll start. We'll go chronologically. This is completely Kay. unexpected. Yes. Okay. Let's go.
3: USF. Worse. Agreed. They're worse than we thought they would be. Baylor.
5: Uh... Little worse. Okay, interesting because I thought that, both of those games. I thought they'd compete for a Big 12 title. They're not really in that. They're running. six
3: and three. Still yeah. a good team, but a little bit worse. Yeah. They're not ranked. Right. Okay. Oregon.
5: Way better. Wyoming. Uh better. Yeah. <laughs> Utah State. Well, well, remember it said, oh, they lost to Illinois. But Illinois is good. Yeah. Wyoming's six and three.
3: Illinois might win the Wyoming's division. Wyoming's bowl eligible. The division. Okay. Big Utah State.
5: Uh. Uh way worse. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame. Uh Notre Dame's a little worse than I thought. I thought Notre like Dame Dubai would be awesome. Probably
3: have won that game. Yes.
5: Okay. Well, when Marshall and Stanford win, I expect you to have a shot yes. there. Arkansas. Arkansas is way worse.
3: So again, we're getting to a yeah. like man, worse than expected. there's no apologies necessary here. Like preseason expectations based on what we feel still now with these records. We think and, BYU should be better than 5-5. Five and five. Well,
5: and it's not all just them. It's what BYU isn't as well, Spence, Healthy. right? Healthy. Like, like when we, uh, you know, we're talking Monday night in the postgame about the Utah State men's basketball game. It was like, well, it's not all just what BYU didn't do. Idaho State did some things. Like KJ Jefferson was good. Rocket Sanders was good in that game. You know, Notre Dame, hey, ran the ball. Uh, you know, Drew Pine, better than we thought or whatever. Michael Mayer, I told you was maybe the best player he was going to play all year. He was unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like Boise State thinks the same thing about Puka, by the way. Um, On the other end of that, it it happens. Okay, Liberty and ECU were
3: better than we thought they would be. Yes. Boise State's kind of what we thought they would be, right? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Good but not great. Like even. Yeah. No, I always expect Boise State to be a good team.
3: So I mean, five and five is like okay. Yeah, it feels like a little bit still. Even though the schedule's maybe a little bit more difficult. Seven
5: and three is the hope. Like playing for nine-ish BYU, even in
3: in spite of all the injuries and all the junk that's gone on, we still think they could be seven and three.
5: Yes. Still disappointing, right, by two games, okay? Uh, Super ranking composite. So, again, there's seven popular metrics out there. I just take those and get the average, and it tells me a story about where. We're
3: talking about football power index, Sagarin
5: rating. yes. F, plus yes. uh, SPI, all that. Okay. Bill Connolly's. Yep. So BYU 64. Just, eh, little, Middle of little the above. pack. By definition, yeah. middle of the pack. Yeah. A um, little above it. Okay. Notre Dame's 22. That would have been a really good win. Oh, it was a bad loss. No, it's not. Get out of here. Arkansas, 36. Really good team. Good team. Liberty's 62. Metrics don't like Liberty.
3: Because of strength of schedule outside of BYU Arkansas. And yeah.
5: Forest. And neither of those teams, well, two of those wins aren't. They're, they're good in perception, but in reality, Arkansas is a really good win. BYU is 64. Okay. Um, ECU 51, better than, people, better than you think, right? So, um, yeah, of those four in the losing streak, eh, you know, BYU could have beat Notre Dame, but it's like Liberty, the metrics tell us, no, BYU should have competed way better with and beat Liberty. I think if they play that game 10 times, BYU is maybe – Winning once, twice, like Liberty was on fire. You also forget the emotional element oh of this. My goodness. Can you imagine BYU for like twenty years, thirty years, being like, "We want to be like Notre Dame," and then you finally get to play them you at get Notre home. Dame at home. Like, wait, this is the thing we can't imagine playing Notre Dame at home because <laughs> they wouldn't come here, right? We had to go to Vegas. Notre Dame's limpy after, after a happily, couple of losses. And we and happily and... went there, and then we unhappily didn't win the game, which was disappointing, but. Yeah, uh, no, no apologies nope. for – I'd like to apologize, actually, to absolutely no one. <laughs> it's kind of a good so.
3: Yeah, the, the schedule, based on what we thought in the preseason, is kind of evening out to what we yeah. – maybe may a little bit more difficult, but not enough to say, yeah, BYU should be 5-5. Five and five.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Three more games for BYU football, and then we begin to really look at how the Cougars fit into the Big 12. Nah, let's do it now. We will a little <laughs> bit. Who is playing their final game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium when BYU hosts Utah Tech a week from tomorrow? And Equally as important, which players are not, meaning which ones are coming back for BYU's first year in the Big 12. Yesterday we thought, huh, let's make a list. Let's talk about the guys that are leaving and the guys that we think are coming back. And guys that think are
5: leaving. The guys we that don't we even think know, are right? leaving, yeah. yes. Yeah.
3: It's, it's based largely on our conversation with Cam Miller yesterday as we discussed NFL draft stock, led by Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua and Blake Freeland. All on the offense. We think those guys are for sure gone.
5: And Clark Barrington, most likely. We'll sure. see.
3: Isaac Rex, who knows? Peyton Wilgar is a guy that is leaving because he has to. He's graduating. No, he's a junior. Oh, that's right. He can COVID come back. Year. COVID year. It's hard to know, right? Who in the world is going to come <laughs> back for BYU? But It's hard to the, know. To play it on the safe side, let's just assume all of those guys are gone, which leaves BYU with some huge voids to fill. Big shoes. So, uh, with that in mind, or the guys we think are leaving for the NFL next year, Jeremy, who are the top ten players that are coming back next year for BYU as they take on the Big
2: 12?
5: Well, I want to bring up a couple other names. So, we know that, like, Chris Brooks and Lopini Couture are gone. Yes. Because they don't have eligibility. Yes. There's a couple guys like that. We're not sure due to injuries on a couple of guys like Gunnar Romney. He could redshirt this year and come back. Or – do what Baylor did, which is, hey, I'm just done. He's I'm going to get a job. All together. Yeah, could be. Uh, Chaz Ayu could use a red shirt this year. He hasn't redshirted before. I think he's medical redshirted, but he has a, another year. And then Peyton Wilgar is listed as a junior. So if he wants to come back, he could. Let's just get that guy a parking pass, huh? Okay, and then juniors that are probably NFL bound, you mentioned Jaron Hall, uh, Clark Barrington, and Blake Freeland, and Puka Yep. These guys have been here, I think, four or five years each. And, uh, yeah, if they want to bounce, they certainly can. They're on NFL radars. If they want to come back and better their stock, they certainly could. Jaron Hall is not a guy that can better his stock that much, uh, we think. So, yeah, we'll see. Okay, so we made a list. Top 10 guys that we think are coming back. We're not sure on Peyton Wilgar. If he comes back, he's definitely on this list. We didn't put him on this list. Um, but here's who we have in alphabetical order, and okay? And no,
3: I mean, this yeah. is no specific order.
5: Alphabet, just... well, the order is alphabetical. Okay, that's sorry, your.
3: but from one to ten. Like,
5: yeah. Don't, don't get confused like, oh, yeah. it's
2: ten through what?
5: Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, Harris Lachance, Malik Moore, Connor Pay, who's crazy high grade on PFF. Number one. Keenan Peely, Isaac Rex, Chase Roberts, Kingsley Suamatiya, Max Tooley. okay. Now, guys, just just off again. If Peyton Wilgar returns, if Gunnar Romney returns, if Chaz Aliu returns, those are guys that you'd probably slot into the top Ooh, ten. You know I what don't, I mean? I don't.
3: Chaz has not been healthy long enough. I don't know that
6: I
5: would. Okay, no Chaz the then. 10. He's yeah. got he's got to play more to work his way in. But the other sure. two, yes. Okay, other guys that were just left off: Ryan Rico, Campbell Barrington, Ben Bywater. Probably, you know, it's a snub there. Uh, Michael Harper has now, played Mike well Harper's this Michael
3: Harper's got a case. The way yeah. he's played in the latter part of the season, he's. He's been really strong playing really physical yeah. football. So he's a guy that could get get in that list.
5: Yeah, and, and guys that um are are talented, we just need to see more. Uh we jokingly call them the one game guys. Is hinkley Ropati. Yep. Right? Nice performance. Against uh, one game. Miles Davis against Wyoming, Chase Roberts against Baylor. Chase is a high school American. We expect him to be a top ten player next year. Which is Georgia. why
3: he's in the list.
5: Brayden Cosper has done uh you know, he he's like a Uh, tremendous role player right now on this team. Uh, Jackson McChesney Mm -hmm. uh, is a a guy that has shown us some real flashes. But we've had one game from several of those guys where it was like, whoa, just want to see a little more there to kind of crack in that top ten. But the point is, BYU's got some nice pieces coming back next year. Yes. Even if these big four go to the NFL. And maybe there's other guys that want to bounce. Maybe Harris Chance has – his degree, and now he's married and has a kid, and he's like, nah, I'm out. Like, who knows? But Kingsley Silamati, just pencil him in right now at left guard. Or, sorry, left tackle for next year. He just switches over to left tackle. That's spot secure. Now you get the Braden Kimes and the Campbell Barringtons and those guys coming into the mix, that depth that BYU has on the O-line.
3: What I don't see in this list of 10, and even the guys that are just on the cusp of getting into the top 10 players returning for BYU next year is any quarterback and any running back. Yep. So clearly, BYU, yeah. what they need the sure. most this offseason, whether it be a transfer portal or just high school signees, they need to bolster their depth. From bring bringing the JUCO ranks. BYU needs probably multiple quarterbacks to join that room, to uh, join the likes of Jacob Conover and Kingsley, or sorry, uh, Cade Soljay Mayava peters and Cade Finnegan. Is
5: Mayava peters competing for the starting spot? I'm not quite sure.
3: Just saying, yeah. he's—they need guys to join in that, that room. room. They need guys sure. in that room sure. and the running backs. Like, yeah, we've seen a little bit from Miles Davis and we've seen a little bit from Jackson McChesney, but who? Who's and the guy? Hinkley
5: as a screen sure, sure. catcher.
3: Who's the guy that's going to get the hard yards? BYU does not have that guy. I don't this think year.
5: he's on the roster.
3: Right BYU now. does not have that guy this year. A guy that's going to lower the shoulder pads and drive for a yard and a half or two yards. On fourth and one, and third and one, yeah. when you need it, that was Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier was special. Well, he was everything.
2: Physically, <laughs> he was the longest, explosive the runs.
3: But when you needed two hard yards, and everybody knew it was going to Tyler Algier, he'd figure out a way to get two and a half yards, or three, yards. or fifty. Okay, like who is that guy? BYU needs a running back and a quarterback, and everything else after that, right? Like it's quarterback, running back, and then. You can I can fill in the gaps I feel that. good
5: about tight ends, O-line. Obviously, D-line, you always got to get better at that position. Linebackers, you probably um, return. You may return all those guys. Ben Tule, Bywater, Peely, Max Tooley.
3: Is Keenan Peely going to come back? Like, we hope he, he comes he's back. He's a right?
5: junior now. Cam um, Miller
3: said that he's, he thinks he's the best player on BYU's team next year coming back in terms of draft stock which is pretty wild.
5: I don't feel the same, but I hope that he's right. You know what I mean? I hope that Keenan is in that position. Right now, Keenan, as of, as of this moment, Keenan's not an NFL linebacker. He can certainly have a breakout year and become that guy next year, but he's got to play better next year. Um, there's, there's some talent coming back, but yes, there are some serious spots. I would almost argue, Spence, not more than quarterback, But the next spot, it's like you've got to figure out what the coaching situation is. I'm not talking head coach. I'm talking assistants. Certainly, there might be a shakeup in the offseason given what happened this year. I don't know that there will be, but I would anticipate that there very well could be, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the way BYU didn't play, especially during that streak. Typically, when you have a season and a streak like that, there is some kind of change there. I'm not calling a shot or anything on what I think that is, but – Certainly, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something there. Hopefully, BYU plays really strong, gets to eight wins, and maybe they captured something, and maybe that's not necessary. I don't know. Perhaps it is already, no matter what happens, but we'll see.
3: BYU getting to a bowl game was something that we all felt, okay, you have to do this. For sure. You have to do it. Yeah. They will accomplish that after they beat Utah Tech Mm -hmm. a week from tomorrow.
5: Live on, BYU TV.
3: Then after that, we'll see. You go and beat a Stanford team that is – Kind of tanking. It feels like Three. at this point
5: <laughs> they've been tanking for a couple of years. Three and six, but right Stanford now. Stanford
3: beat Notre Dame this season. Yeah. So what, so
5: it's not even hard to beat Notre which Dame. Stanford oh. team is
3: going to show up against BYU. But let's say BYU goes on the road, gets a Power Five win, albeit against the bad Stanford team. They're seven and five. You go to bowl game and you win it, and you're eight and five. Does that help at all? Try and lure somebody out of the transfer portal now that BYU. Hey. Like they they started playing better ball. Doesn't Maybe matter. They've got back-to-back quarterbacks that have gone to the NFL draft. Maybe I want to get involved there. Okay. Oh, Zach Wilson, Spencer and Hall, back-to-back.
5: The results don't matter. Okay. Because Zach Wilson joined BYU when they were four and nine. Like he does, took a
3: major chance he, and joined BYU after the four and nine season. Well, yes those and no. His, those are his
5: words. Right. Yes and no. BYU has a history of success at this position. Yes, they had were coming off a bad season, but that can quickly change. Like these don't last at BYU. It. Uh, and then, poof, uh, you know, you get, you get 21 wins uh, in the next few years with different quarterbacks. So I, I'm not convinced that that's ne- n- not necessarily the case. If anything, it's like, oh, there's a real opportunity there. BYU go- going to a Power 5 league. And so I, I would hope that there's a P5 transfer that BYU can bring in that can have an immediate impact. So now we sit here, Spence, it's like post-94. And you go, okay, who's it going to be? And Sark shows up. And in 95, they don't have a great year, but Seven they, and four. they don't go to a bowl game. They don't win the, or did they tie for first, but not go to a bowl game or something? It was something weird, right? 7-4-1 or something. And then 96 happens, right? I'm not saying BYU is going to do 96. I'm just saying success. And then there was a situation where uh, a Max Hall transfers from Arizona State, and he's uh, the scout squad guy in 06, and then boom, 07, 08, 09. You can have guys that come in and have an impact. It's not a thing that happens often at BYU where a transfer is the quarterback and is the guy for a while, but it's certainly likely to be the case well, next year. Well, it's
3: interesting. Yeah, the whole transfer thing. Well, think about it. Max Hall was a transfer. Riley Nelson was a transfer.
5: Mm-hmm. Taysom
3: Hill was a transfer. Like,
5: <laughs> like yeah. And Taysom, yeah, Taysom and Max are interesting because they never actually even, I think, show up on campus, if I understand. Maybe Max did, but Taysom never even went to Stanford. But those but, guys were
3: in the system.
5: But however, now, like now they had, they had
3: they had a year to learn and grow in the system. Like this is well, a,
5: welcome to 2022. We think where this it's is a
3: plug and play situation. I
5: mean, it would have been Jackson Dart if he had chosen BYU, but he chose Ole Miss, and that was a great decision for him. They're top 15. They got a big game uh, with I think Alabama this week. Like, I don't fault him for not wanting to sit behind Jaron Hall.
3: Yeah, and I mean, and, and again, but it's got to be
5: a Jackson Dart-like guy,
3: hopefully. Cade Fenegan. And Jacob Conover are going to have their shot.
5: Yes, to compete with those guys for the starting spot. But
3: regardless, like, BYU needs more guys in that quarterback room. Maybe two. Yeah. Maybe a Juco guy and a transfer portal guy to join
5: those guys so you have five. You need depth. Heck, we need depth at uh, the anchor spots on this show so we can uh, take days off or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we work together as a group to make this happen in the same way BYU needs to bring in a a, – Quality player. Now, that could be a junior college guy. I'd love there to be a, a P5 guy that steps in and boom. It's a, just a real success story for you. you would
3: think, like, going to the Big 12, back-to-back That's NFL draft quarterbacks, both of those things combined. That's why I say I don't that th- be enough? I
5: don't think it matters what happens with BYU in terms of the luring part. Yeah, I just think BYU is an attractive spot no matter what.
3: Hey, come to BYU, go to the NFL and play quarterback, and be the Power 5 guy leading him into the Big 12. For a couple years, go to the NFL.
5: Let's go. Okay, topic two. Do you expect men's hoops to play dramatically different tonight against San Diego State than they did Monday?
3: Let's define dramatically different. (laughs) Uh, No, Dramatically different to me would be like they shoot 45% from the three-point line and only turn it over 12 times. 12 would be amazing. They shoot 50-plus percent as a team. I mean, it, it was rough against Idaho State, no doubt about it. I don't expect dramatically different because San Diego State is a really, really good defensive team. That said, I do expect BYU to not turn the ball over 23 times. I feel like BYU is going to have to value possession a little bit more against San Diego State specifically. So
5: don't run and gun? Well, run and gun, but not as –
3: I mean, Idaho State wanted to run with BYU. San Diego State's not going to want to run with BYU. So at times – Maybe to keep this game close and and just instead of like you're running a gun, if you keep turning the ball over and you continue to go fast, then San Diego State builds a 12- to 14-point lead. You're not coming back from down 12 or 14 against San Diego State because they will slow that thing to a snail's pace.
5: But what if you build a 12- to 14-point lead because you're running?
3: That's not going to happen on the road against that team. I just don't Mm. think it does. They're too good defensively. I do not see a way BYU is building a 14-point lead against San Diego State because they're outrunning them. I just don't see Run and it Run Running
5: gun, threes in the corner. I don't see it bang. happening.
3: Now, that, again, like, so don't turn the ball over 23 times because the pace will slow automatically just by who you're playing. Like it's, that's all on San Diego State. So BYU could sprint as much as they want. San Diego State's still going to play their, their pace. Really good defense. And then I don't expect like BYU to shoot three for 16 from the three-point line. I expect it to be a little bit better than that. Yeah. Can we hope for, I don't know, 35% as a team from the three-point line or 33%? Give me five out of 16 instead of three out of 16. I'd take it. Okay? Yeah. So, better, but not dramatically different. They'll take better care of the ball. They'll shoot a little bit better from the three-point line. And the pace of the game is going to be different than what you saw against Idaho State.
5: I don't think it's going to be dramatically different. Here's why. That was the San Diego State type of game. Low scoring, low shooting percentage, physical rebounding, free throws, make a play here or there. Okay? That's how San Diego State likes to play their games, and that's how they like people to play against them. So, I, BYU's thing isn't size. San Diego State's got some real size. Led by Mountain West Conference defensive player Nate Mensah, who is a beast. He's from Ghana, so we got like, Africans uh, challenging each Fuse other in and this game. Yeah, and Nate Mensah. It'll, be, it'll be fun. It'll be Mali versus Ghana at the starting five. Remember, Foos is undersized, a six-five and a half, but a seven-two wingspan. So it's going to be tough against the six-ten Nate Mensah. But they've got uh, Darian Tremel put up 18 uh, in their opener against Fullerton. He can shoot it. Butler can shoot it. So it, it's tough because San Diego State traditionally has been that. Let's just chuck it up against the backboard, get an offensive rebound, and lay it in. Like. Obviously, they're more skilled than that. But generally speaking, it's like a dump-and-chase hockey team. BUA likes to power play, if you will, as Mark Pope has said. So we'll, we'll see what BUA does. But the, the real stat that sticks out that we haven't mentioned yet is outside of the restricted area, BUA went 4 of 32. Oh, oh my That's God. bad. So that includes three-pointers, obviously, and, and, and twos. And even in the paint outside of the restricted area, 1 for 8. If BUA can just make some of those shots... Just at least shoot 45% from two, um, including the restricted area. You got a shot in this one. And hopefully BYU can uh, obviously not turn it over. Remember, BYU held its opponent to 56 points and created 22 takeaways. So that, that level, like do you have to have that yes, but that's the, right the bad mistake. with the good? Yeah, it, I'm not saying they're going to create 20 turnovers, but points off turnovers were big time for BYU as well in this game. And so, let's see if BYU can't do what they did two years ago, which is pull off an upset. BYU has a better shot to win from Ken Palm than they did two years ago in this game.
3: Interesting. 23% chance to win according to Ken Palm.
5: It was 19 two years ago.
3: It's 19% according to the Basketball Power Index. Yeah.
5: Dude's got to make plays in this that didn't. Like, Rudy Williams, all good, bro. Let's go. Jackson Robinson, Gideon George, all those guys. Yeah,
3: I'm glad you brought up Rudy because he's one individual I expect to be a little bit better. He won't shoot two for nine. He'll have more than one assist and certainly a better assist to turnover ratio because he turned it over four times as well. Yep. So yeah, yeah, Rudy plays better. Maybe BYU as a team plays better.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. (laughs) Hear what the coaches, athletes and experts have to say Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Joining us now, and we're thrilled to have him back on the program, is the great Jimmer Fredette, who has just wrapped up a gold medal performance with Team USA in three on three basketball. Jimmer, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation and congratulations on a gold medal.
7: Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, I just want to preface this too. I have my little daughter here on the on the ground, so if you hear some uh, some squealing, that's that's what it is. So <laughs> this
3: is the show and fan base that one million percent can understand that. So no problem absolutely. at all.
7: Jim, I knew that. Yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> Let, let's just start with how you got into the three on three basketball realm. Like, when did this become a thing for you, and, and who approached you about it?
7: Yeah, no, it was great. It was actually, uh, so the, the coach's name is Fran Freshilla. It's actually his son, James, that coaches the team, and Fran's kind of like GM. You may know Fran. He's uh, been a ESPN personality for a long time. He was a coach for a long time, uh, coached at New Mexico for a little while, so he's very familiar with the Mountain West Conference. Uh, he actually lives in Colorado Springs, um, you know, where US, USA Sports kind of, you know, resides and uh, I actually got in contact with him through one of my former teammates, Jonathan Tavernari. Um, he talks with, uh, with Fran uh, quite often and asks him about um, who he thought would be good at three-on-three, three and JT gave him my name, and Fran called me up, and, and uh, I, I said, yeah, I would love to have the opportunity because there's an opportunity possibly to go towards, um, you know, 2024 Olympics in three-on-three three basketball. So for me, I was I was all in right away. Just to be able to have an opportunity to possibly do that would, was something that caught my eye.
0: Well, and look, it not just the fact that you guys won gold, but you hit the game-winning shot. Look, and everybody knows... <laughs> That you've had a lot of big shots in your career where does that one rank for you personally
7: you know it's it's great i mean it's definitely up there when you win a gold medal you make a game-winning shot you know the excitement afterwards was awesome i mean we were just you know we were yelling at each other and you know super excited and it, it was funny because we were playing against puerto rico in the final and we're down in miami so it actually felt like a road game you know eighty percent of the people there were, were going from puerto rico and uh, you know, so be able to make the shot, win, win a win a gold medal for the U.S. Mm. Um, the, the America Cup was was a lot of fun. So it was up there for sure because it was so exciting.
3: You've tasted gold at the America Cup, as you just brought up, but I want to go back to something that you just mentioned in your previous comment, and that is making a run at the Olympics. Uh, Jimmer, is is it fair to say that that you're ready to make a run at gold in Paris with Team USA in 2024?
7: Yeah, well, I mean, first we got to get there, you know. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Three on three basketball came uh, to the Olympics last last Olympics in uh, Tokyo in 2020, and unfortunately, our our team didn't qualify for, uh, you know, for three on three basketball there. So that's why they're kind of making a real push to make sure that we obviously first qualify for the Olympics and then hopefully make a run for a medal. Um, but the teams that we're playing against, all you know, a lot of these European teams, Serbia and Lithuania and some of these teams have been playing three on three basketball in a circuit for, you know, years and years and years. They're kind of the gold standard. They do this for their living. Uh, they play all year round. They know how to play. They're good players. They're physical. You know, it's a much more physical game and just kind of different than five on five. So we're trying to catch up. Um, On how to play the game. Obviously we have a lot of talent and we're bringing some of that talent to the game, but trying to learn the ins and outs of it is something that we're, we're working on. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, the whole, the whole goal of this is to be able to make the 2024 Olympics and hopefully be able to be able to make a run at a medal.
0: Look, the the obvious answer is there's two less players. But what what's the and, and you mentioned you know you're starting to see a little bit more of the big three in the United States. I mean, obviously you have you have the big three ice cubes league, and that's gaining popularity. And the three on three tournaments, you're starting to see more and more of that. What's the biggest difference in playing three on three, you know, versus a normal five on five game?
7: Well, even in, uh, you know, difference between the three-on-three that they play here, like the big three and some of the games hoop-it-ups and all those things is that it's continuous basketball. So, literally, once you shoot it and you make it, the other team catches it and throws it out past the three-point line. They clear it and you just keep playing. So, it's continuous, which makes it exhausting, to be honest with you, because you don't get any breaks, right? Like, unless there's a foul, Um, or, you know, goes out of bounds or something like that, you you don't stop until that happens. So you can play sometimes for two, three minutes in a row and you have to play offense, defense, one-on-one defense, uh, getting over screens. There's so many different actions that they run, you know, in three-on-three versus five-on-five to get guys open. So there's a lot of screens and double screens and re-screens and slipping to the basket and all this different stuff. So you have to really be able to think on the fly Um, And it's all obviously half court and you don't get a chance to like walk the ball up the court or anything like that. It's continuous. So it's, it's very tiring. It's, it's a lot of fun, but if you can be in really good shape and you have a smart basketball IQ, and then you can make twos, um, you can be pretty good at it. And I feel like it, you know, it fits my game pretty well, but uh, yeah, it's that continuous basketball you have to get used to.
3: Jimmer Fredette with us on BYU Sports Nation. Jimmer, What's the key to growing the popularity of three on three basketball in the United States to join some of those European juggernauts?
7: You know, I just think it's about finding a, the right league for it to happen, right? And obviously, there's not, you know, a five on five basketball. That's where, where all the money is, right? That's, that's where people get paid, and whether it's overseas, whether it's here. Um, so if someone can, you know, find a league where guys are getting paid decent, obviously on the FIBA world tour, you do make money um, for these tournaments. You can make a decent, decent living doing it. You just have to be able to travel all over the world to be able to play in this. So if they had a league here in the U S where they could make some money, you know, that's obviously the big Three's trying to do it. But if they had a league that was like FIBA, where they played FIBA rules, um, and everything then we would get better at it. And if people, then you'd see more talent because they want to stay here and possibly have a chance to play on the U.S. Olympic team, um, be able to make some money. It's, you know, a little bit less you know, travel and a little bit less time commitment, maybe than a five on five, um, you know, season. So there's there's some ins and outs that people, I think, would like. Um, but it's about ultimately trying to find a good league that's going to, you know, pay for people to be able to, to make a living um, doing it. That's what's going to attract more talent. All
0: right, I've got a hypothetical for you, Jimmer. Let's say you and one other guy are looking for a third person to form a three-on-three team. Would you want Slick Nick on your team? <laughs>
7: Yo, know, yes, I would. The problem is Slick Nick was a little out of shape. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if he can quite play that continuous, but he does have a little bit of, you know, girth to him, so he could probably body some of the bigger guys. Um, you know, I, I – I think you would, would do okay. I think you would do okay, but, uh, you know, ultimately Slick Nick is in retirement, so.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't think Slick Nick screams Olympics at this point with that body shape for sure, Jimmer. Not
7: quite, not quite.
3: <laughs> but what's, what's the next step for you in, in this progression chart towards, you know, qualifying for the Olympics? What, what, has, what happens next tournament or, or preparation-wise?
7: Yeah, so they're getting close to the end of the season for three on three, um, you know, so they mostly play from like May to like the end of November uh, It's kind of how they work that schedule, uh, obviously, because it's mostly outdoors. There's some indoor events, but they do a lot of it outdoor with a covered top and everything, that type of deal. Um, So they'll start again in May. Uh, We'll have world championships in May or sometime next summer. I'm not sure exactly the dates yet, but we've qualified for that. So we'll be able to go to the world championships and be able to do that. And then obviously I'll, I'll play on, uh, you know, the FIBA World Tour this summer, um, which is going to be all over the world. There'll be some in Europe, some in Canada, uh, maybe a few in the U.S. There's some in Asia. Uh, Now, I won't play in every event, but I'll play in a lot of them, try to get acclimated because, you know, you have to qualify as a player to be able to make the Olympic team. Uh, You have to accumulate enough points to be able to do that, but then also your team has to accumulate enough points to qualify for Paris, so we'll be trying to do both things simultaneously, and obviously the more I play, the better I'll get to be prepared, you know, for an Olympic run. So yeah, I'll be doing that some this summer, uh, playing and uh, you know trying to get better and uh, hoping to make an Olympic run.
0: So with that in mind, big picture basketball questions. Then, what is your basketball future? Is is this what the basketball that you're going to be playing for the next little while, preparing for this, or do you have other opportunities? Uh, in the basketball world. Where do things stand with that?
7: Yeah, I've had several opportunities that came up for me five on five all over the world. Um, In Europe, in China, Australia, Japan, I mean, everywhere. Um, People have asked me to come over. I just wasn't prepared to do that at this point. Um, You know, so I had declined, uh, you know, at this point, all the the offers that have come. And we'll see about after January, if something comes up, that's really great that I want to try to, you know, take so I wouldn't shut that door fully. Um, but at the same time, I'm super happy with where I'm at, um, able to be home with the family, uh, be able to spend the holidays here, uh, obviously continue to work on my three on three stuff because that's the ultimate goal is to, to make an Olympic run. Um, so I want to be able to do that. But to be able to go over and play uh, five on five for a month or two, maybe something that's an option. Uh, but as of right now, I'm not thinking about that too much. I'm mostly thinking about this three on three stuff and, and being home with basketball and or with my family and being able to kind of do some other things on the side. So uh, so that's where my head's at right now. But yeah, I, have, I haven't uh, you know, accepted any offers for the five on five at this point, but on purpose.
3: Jimmer Fredette on BYU Sports Nation. Now we shift our attention to the new version of BYU men's basketball. I know Slick Nick has had a first-hand <laughs> experience with Coach Mark Pope and this specific team. Weird game the other night, but we saw a bunch of powerhouses yeah. lose on opening night, so maybe yeah. there's just something to winning and finding a way, but what are your impressions yeah. early of this BYU men's basketball team?
7: Yeah, I mean, the first games are always tough, right? Like, you're just so amped up. You're so excited to finally play in a meaningful game after, like, several months of just workouts and playing against each other and, you know, doing defense and, you know, conditioning and all of these different things. You're just so excited to be able to get out there and play against another opponent. You never really know what is going to happen as far as that's concerned. Most importantly, it's about winning the game. And uh, I love their effort. They played hard, and that's the biggest That's the biggest thing for me. If they're playing hard, they're going to be good defensively. Um, then it's about just being consistent on the offensive end and being able to score. I thought Dallin did an amazing job coming in and providing a spark for the team. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a really good player. Obviously, Spencer, you see, hit that big shot at the end. Um, they have some veteran guys. Um, it's going to take them a little time to gel because there are, <laughs> there's a lot of new guys on this team. But ultimately, they have good talent, they have good athleticism, they have great coaching, Um, they're going to play hard defensively. Now it's about finding that rhythm offensively, who's their go-to guy down the stretch, who's going to make plays for them. Um, If they can do that, I think they'll be really solid um, because they're going to be good defensively.
0: This time next year, we're all going to be focusing on looking ahead to the conference schedule in the Big 12. Can you imagine if your schedule had – you know, Kansas coming to Provo, and Baylor, Texas Tech, and going to all these places. What an unbelievable basketball league this is going to be next year.
7: It's unbelievable. I mean, I keep telling people, I was like, last year, if you were, you know, in the Big 12, your easiest road game would have been at West Virginia. (laughs) And I'm like, that's Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers and their crazy fan base. Like, that would have been your ease because their, their record in the, the, the actual um, conference wasn't great. And I'm like, that's a really good team. That's an extremely difficult place to play. So there's just no nights off. Um, there is the complete, um, you know, you have to be on and ready to go every single night. And that may be a little bit different coming from the West Coast Conference where, you know, you play some games where you feel like you can, you know, not play your A game and win. Um, That's not the case in the Big 12. So it's just being on every single night, preparing. I know the guys will be super excited about it, um, you know, because those venues are going to be amazing to play at. Um, But it's about just going out there, having fun, and putting forth the best effort and, you know, putting together a game plan. I think it will take an adjustment period, but ultimately I think we're going to be good in a few years.
2: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
3: Cougar Round, presented by Maris, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
5: And media availability yesterday, Mark Pope was asked about Gonzaga possibly joining the Big 12. <laughs> Roll it. Add the Zags and add the Celtics. I mean, why not? Like, how can we make this
1: league any better? It's ridiculous, but um, I love, you know, I mean, listen, it's what we signed up for. So why not make it the best league in the world by a hundred times? It's only 50 times better than every other league. So I'm all for it.
5: Breaking (laughs) news, he thinks it's 50 times better than every other league. Uh, Would the Big 12 be harder with the Celtics? Uh, Yes, clearly.
3: (laughs) That's two more guaranteed losses for every team probably. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Celtics start uh, only their bottom five players against Baylor, but even then, the Celtics probably still, still win that game. Win the league, yes,
5: yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, the big, t- yeah. It, I said I'm not necessarily in favor of it uh, when the report came out because I would like BYU to at least approximate the NCAA tournament by going 7-11 one year, but you got to win most, if not all, the non-conference. So years. the
3: Big 12 is to college basketball, what the SEC is to college football, and. Uh, The SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma. Adding Gonzaga would 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 be that type of
5: move. I would argue the Big 12 is better in basketball than the SEC is in football.
3: Sure. Because Uh, because
5: you have a bigger tournament, so we can sort of assess uh, that.
3: Okay, okay. Jimmer Fredette, speaking of of basketball, high-level elite players, told us yesterday his current goal is to compete in the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris in three-on-three basketball. Very cool. Where would winning an Olympic medal rank among
5: Jimmer's basketball accolades if he gets to that. Point. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. The U.S. didn't even qualify for the last Olympics in three on three. So the U.S. has to qualify well, and, and yeah. Jimmer has to make said team. Correct. And they have to win the gold. There's yes. a lot that has to happen. Yeah. So if that happens. I, w- I would think that'd be his greatest accomplishment. A, a gold, gold medal gold in the Olympics. Medal.
3: Better than winning the Better than May winning the baseball. Mountain West.
5: Better than winning the Player of the Year. No, Player of the Year in the NCAA is pretty cool. That's probably it. But uh, a gold medal in the Olympics, regardless of how it comes, that's pretty sweet, man. Just.
3: The appeal of Jimmer Fredette competing for Team USA. Yeah, that's cool. It would make the Olympics so compelling for BYU fans.
5: A lot has happened there, as I just pointed out, yes. though. Oh, it's no not question. a and given that
3: they make the Olympics. Yeah, you've got to accumulate enough points as a team and accumulate enough and as points an individual, as a player to make the team if you qualify for the Olympics.
5: Yeah, that was interesting. Okay, who's more likely to score tonight? Ashley Atch with the USA women's soccer team against Germany, or Tyler Algier with the Falcons against the Panthers?
3: Well, the way that Ashley was scoring early in the season for the United States women's national team, I'd say her. But right now it's Tyler Algier has kind of swung that the pendulum swung toward him. He's gonna be more involved. Even with Cordero Patterson, he had a nice game.
5: Yeah. They're still using back and they're right? still utilizing
3: him a lot. So Tyler Algier is more likely tonight.
5: I, I agree. Although it'd be fun if both did. That'd be sweet. Let's go. let sweet.
3: In lieu of the BYU Pacific four-footed women's volleyball match tonight, the Cougars have opted to do an eat and greet, Jerem. (laughs) I get it. Should there be more eat and greets with all BYU teams? I would
5: happily forfeit hunger to go to more eat and greets with the teams.
3: Are the teams paying for the food of the eat and greet?
5: (laughs) Of all the food? Or just food for the team? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nice. Nice.
2: That me. You're giving 10% yeah, already yeah, looking
5: well, for a little yeah, something. I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm just, just i just saying. Plus a generous fast offer. Just saying.
2: Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Now time to bring in one of our longtime show friends. He is Cam Meller, and he is the NFL Draft Director at Pro Football Network. Cam BYU football and this season can be summed up pretty much in two words: roller coaster. Uh, it, it's been really fun at times for fans, not so much during the four-game losing streak, but recently a nice win at Boise State. How would you sum up this BYU football season as a whole if it's not roller coaster?
6: Uh, that's the best term for it right at this point you, you you have highs you have lows and that's exactly what it is peaks valleys dips and then you know you get over the cusp at a time here and then maybe we're there uh the the wind on the smurf turf is uh, definitely that peak right now so let's hope that that uh continues to accelerate but no a roller coaster is from the national perspective that's all you can say it is really you can you can try to put the you know the blame in certain places from the national eye I'm, I'm sure I'd you know try my best to do such a thing but no it's um, it's college football and you know kids are hot and cold week in and week out it's just been unfortunately uh, some four weeks in a row that's cold it cooled off the national attention but there are definitely some players that are piquing interest for the next level.
5: And let's talk about those guys. Let's start with quarterback Jaron Hall. There have been, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season at least, first-round rumblings. Where does he stand in your mind right now? He's
6: one of the top senior single callers or or elder class, elder statesmen, so to speak. You know, you have Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and then you get down to the seniors, the guys that we're going to see hearing, you know, go to the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl this season, those guys, and you have Hendon Hooker, Bo Nix, Will Levis, and that next class right below it is Jaron Hall. It's Jaron Hall. There's a couple other guys sort of right around that range of Clayton Toon, Aiden O'Connell, uh, Jordan Travis from Florida State as well. So he's right in that range. Right now, I think that, that plugs him right into that uh, the meat of day three, early stages of day three. If he impresses at uh, whatever all-star game he does wind up going to, he can definitely vault himself back into day two, maybe fringe that round three range right now. But I think that there's still the elite traits. That uh, he's answered some questions too around this year.
3: So to clarify, you still feel like Jaron Hall is an NFL draft quarterback, fourth, fifth round, and his stock is high enough that it it would serve him well if he left early and did not come back for his senior year. Is that fair to say?
6: Yes, unfortunately, right. I'm gonna I'll check, make sure. Yes, uh, he probably needs to go out now. Um, enter the draft and he'll be, you know, graduated and he'll be on the list for these these All Star games, these senior All Star games that he's allowed to go to. I think the two biggest questions for him, one of them was age. He was never going to be able to answer that because it's his age. That's what it is. Uh, it's the the dependability. Can he play every game this year? Can he be a factor in every single game? And right now he's answered that. You know, he's he's been dinged up, but he's played. He's he's been Jaron Hall through every game so far this season. And that was probably the biggest knock on his stock for, you know, do you depend on a guy like him? Can you can he stay healthy for a full 17 game season in the NFL? And right now, so far this year, we've seen it. He's been healthy and and there's been at times some elite flashes. So I do think that absolutely still a guy who can sneak into day two. But right now with uh, with the quarterback class where it is, he's a he's a day three rounds four through seven guy.
5: And he'll turn 25 in March, so there's the age thing. Uh, Puka Nakua is a guy who continues to seemingly make great plays at BYU. What's his NFL stock look like?
6: Uh, This is a prototypical wide receiver two or wide receiver three in the NFL. There's a stacked class of those guys right now, though, in in this draft class and then next year's draft class as well. But very few have what I think Puka's best skill is, and it's this elite sort of wide receiver skill combination that very few also have. There's body control, there's hands. He understands coverage schemes, it seems to So he knows when he's got a man on him that he's got to flash late hands. He can't tip the defender's, you know, knowledge of, of the route or where he, the ball is going to be coming to him. So he's got late hands, they call it. And he's got, I mean we saw it last week, right? The the insane catch radius and every ball that's thrown anywhere near him, it's not 50-50 balls. They're more like 75-20 for puka and so healthy we're seeing what he can do and i think that that was a, another thing that he'll get knocked on this season it's it's unfortunate there's nothing he can do about it but the injuries you know you got to be able to depend on the receiver uh, especially if you're going to draft them higher and so again i think puka's in that day three is well range, but this is a guy who's got elite skills at the catch point and all around his, uh, his route running ability
3: let's move to the offensive line blake freeland uh, according to a lot of experts was in the, he was the most draftable guy that BYU had going into the season with Jaron Hall nipping at his heels. Has he maintained that position? And if not, who is the most draftable guy at BYU right now?
6: To me, it was always Jaron, but I think the safest pick was going to be Blake Freeland uh, at that point. This You can't coach size, as they say, and we all know that Blake's a mountain of a man. And so you can't coach that And what we he's shown this year and honestly for the past three years is he's nimble on his feet for such a big guy. He's strong as well. And one of the big things that you guys know him well that I, I take a lot of my offensive line analysis from is Eric Mateos. And he said he's got some of the best balance through contact. And what that means is if he gets smashed by a defensive end who's rushing off the edge freely, you know, Blake's not going to lose his balance. And that's rare for a guy his size. And so to me, I still think that Blake is a fringe of that day one, round one. Pick. I know we've only got 31 picks this year, but uh, he's he's secured himself this season with a high draft choice for an NFL team who's going to be needy for left tackle.
5: How about Clark Barrington, a guy that's uh, started for a couple of years at left guard?
6: A mauler of a man, right? This is another guy that if you want somebody who's going to dictate the pace and dictate the line of scrimmage, it's Clark Barrington to me. This is it's he's not quite in that day one day two range for me because he's run blocking very well, and pass protection maybe. He's got to work on his lateral mobility, left left to right, and side to side. But he had to balance as well. He's gritty. He's going to dictate the line of scrimmage. He's going to dominate as well. And if you are a, a run first team with a zone blocking scheme that gets Clark to be able to move out uh, from his left to right and get on the, on the move to second level hunt and, and find some linebackers, this is a, a guy who will be entrenched as a starter for 10 years.
3: So of the four guys we've brought up, you're telling us that it doesn't look good for any of those four to come back and play for BYU in year one of the Big 12. Is that what we're getting at? Uh,
6: yeah, I'm sorry to say that we've got to set our so our, our sights on someone else here. Uh, quarterbacking and catching balls and then uh, a new entire left side of the offensive line. The the NFL draft is going to be calling them very soon.
3: Cam Miller is the senior NFL draft director at Pro Football Network. He's on BYU Sports Nation. How about a guy like Isaac Rex who – has elite hands. He was on Mel Kuyper's draft board as the fifth most draftable BYU Cougar going into the season, but he hasn't been utilized a ton. Where do you stand with Isaac Rex?
6: It's, you know, it's the same thing. You look at it for can a quarterback really account for team wins? No. But Are they going to be dinged for it? Yes. Is Isaac Rex accountable for the every play on offense? No. But is he going to be dinged for not being used? Yes, absolutely. So you have to look at what he's able to do. Per play, play in and play out. He blocks well. Uh, again, a physical guy there, but his best attribute is absolutely those strong hands and his size. If you can't coach size, again, it, it applies to tight ends as well. So to me, the the probably the lack of top-end athleticism in terms of speed to be able to separate from some of these linebackers in the NFL that are going to be running four-fours. That'll probably hurt him a little bit. He's, he's in that range of the day three late flyer for a team that needs a tight end three and a, and a big old red zone threat. That's what he is at the next level.
5: You've been really high on Peyton Wilgar for several years. Uh, earlier in the season, not playing his best ball, but also hampered by injuries. Uh, what have you seen of Peyton Wilgar this season?
6: It's more of the same. He's a dominant athlete when he's on the field. A uh, better man off the field, so that's never going to change as well. He will win the hearts of GMs. I I don't have to tell you guys and the the viewers and fans of the show as well. But to me, the injuries are going to hurt him and probably make him an undrafted free agent. But he will be a priority free agent. This is the guy who, in healthy, is a three-down NFL linebacker. The coverage is incredibly well. The run fits that he's able to do, his instincts as well, and just his nose for the football. Uh, I mean, this is a kid who knows football, breathes football. Uh, loves football, and you can tell it with the way he plays, the instincts are off the charts. So to me, priority free agent who will make an NFL roster most likely and will have the the fans and the beat reporters of that NFL team saying, hey, who's this guy, who's this guy, who keeps making plays and flashes in camp.
3: Okay, so with probably five of the six, if not all six of those guys now seeking to move on and take that step, BYU moves into the Big 12. Huge question to quarterback following Jaron Hall, certainly losing Puka Nakua Hurts. Does BYU have the horses to compete in a much more difficult Big 12 conference next year?
6: I I, I hate to say it, but right now it does not quite look like they can compete. They'll win some games. They'll make some games competitive. But until we have more of those answers about who's going to be quarterbacking, how well that quarterback situation will be, And then how big this recruiting class coming in and then the last few recruiting classes can be made ready, so to speak. There's a lot of shoes to fill and there's a lot of four and five star kids that they're going to be going up against that have top tier elite coaching staffs that have made them better, even from their high school days. And so I think that's the biggest difference from playing in as big of a gauntlet or as much of a gauntlet as as BYU's out of conference independent schedule has been with power five schools. It's every game, every week, essentially, once you reach that Big 12 schedule. So to me right now on the surface, four-game losing streak and how they've been able to lose them and stay competitive, they will keep those games competitive in the Big 12. But right now we need to see a little bit more of the uh, get your freshmen and get your younger younger players ready to play before we uh, can compete too well in the Big 12.
5: Uh, hello, transfer quarterback is probably what BYU is looking at uh, in the in the competition with Conover and Fenegan. Of course, I did want to ask you about Max Thule. Um, is he an NFL linebacker? He's had uh, two pick sixes and uh, a nice season. Win healthy, but again, another injured guy.
6: Yeah, I think his if coverage is king in the NFL right now, teams are going to be needing more passing as King, coverage becomes queen, essentially, but King on your defense. i I, I stand firmly on the pass rush versus coverage argument uh, every offseason. the coverage is King uh, on defenses. And so to have linebackers and a and a guy that you can drop down into the flats and be able to cover NFL running backs and tight ends, that's where tooley is right there. So I think right now, again, probably another undrafted guy, but a priority guy who, who comes in, in sub packages, dime packages, and is able to sort of take away the flats and take away the middle of the field and underneath routes. So he needs a good situation, but he has put himself firmly on the map for the NFL draft and as a priority for, priority for agent.
3: All right, Cam, while we're making uh, projections in this hypothetical realm that we're conversing in, if it's not Max Thule, who is the best BYU player that Will be back or should be back next year? Maybe it's Kingsley Sualamatia. Maybe it's Connor Pay. Who, who's the guy that's the best player for BYU that you think for sure is going to be back next year?
6: So correct me if I'm wrong. Keenan Peely is he coming back right now? If you have to say yes or no, is he?
3: He has eligibility. eligibility. He has eligibility, but maybe are you, are you saying he should come back? Do you think it would help him if he did come back? <laughs>
6: It would help him very much so if he came back and I think he's the best player and he becomes a potential guy who could sneak into first round ability. I liken him to Jalen Petrie from Baylor last year, who if you plug him in closer to the line of scrimmage and allow him to play freely, so to speak, sort of off the edge, let him blitz if he wants to, but let him drop down and take tight ends and running backs coverage. I think he's got that ability of almost like a box safety. Who, you know, not quite Derwin James, but Jalen Petrie's more of that impact that I think he can have. So I think Keenan Peely has this all-around elite ability that I think seeing more of him and seeing him healthy and seeing him in for sort of a featured role on defense could make his uh, draft stock soar
5: next year. That's interesting because Peely was a safety in high school. Backer at BYU, you certainly got to get that knee going post-ACL. Hasn't been quite the same, but... I like that. That's interesting.
3: Yeah, uh, we're clipping yeah. that off and sending it uh, towards Keenan probably at some point.
6: Come back, Keenan. Please,
3: Keenan. Come back hey, you're and shore You're off the ACL. Let's go, baby.
6: Defense. Big 12 play is, it's a way to put your staple on you, know, right? You're already going into Jalen Petrie's conference, so to speak. Yep. So go go, do it and make yep. a name for yourself. You can do so.
3: Hey, Cam, we appreciate the time. It's always great to catch up with you and for the great insight into all of these NFL hopefuls at BYU. Here's to BYU getting bowl eligible against Utah
5: Tech.
6: Here we go. That's all we need right now at this point, right? Cement the bowl game and then ride high.
5: We. I knew it, Cam. I knew (laughs) it. You said we. I love it.
6: Don't show. Don't show those in (laughs) Salt Lake City.
2: You got it. Thanks, Cam. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
3: Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
5: Don't say it. Declare it, Spencer. We'll declare Who will lead BYU in scoring at San Diego State today?
3: It's going to be... Gideon George. Oh, that's
5: my answer too. Is it really? Yeah. Dang it.
3: I thought I was going off the radar a little bit with that. But I feel like his game translates well against San Diego State. Driving, slashing, He's like a fouled. San Diego State make, player. Yes.
5: Long, defensive, yes. Uh, got a nice shot. Yeah. I think no. it's going
3: to be Gideon George. And he's going to make a few more three-pointers.
5: It's going to be Gideon. So second leading scorer will be Rudy Williams. He bounces back in a big way. Tonight.
3: Probably. Not Foose. Tough matchup for Tough Foose. Tough matchup
5: for Foose. Just do your best to rebound tonight.
3: For sure. Yeah. Women's soccer has won eight straight NCAA tournament matches at Southfield. They're at Southfield tonight as they open up the NCAA tournament. Mark Pope, as BYU head coach, has won all of his home openers now after beating Idaho State, and all of his true away openers.
5: The true away opener happened at San Diego State. Will
3: both of those streaks continue
5: tonight? We sure hope so. BYU is going to be challenged tonight uh, at San Diego State. Chances are BYU loses, but hopefully they overcome and they win like they did two years ago. But yeah, women's soccer, confident.
3: That streak will continue. Very confident. At now. Southfield. Yeah. Yes.
5: Okay, and women's. Basketball is a little different. Yes. Women's soccer, women's volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball. Own action today and tomorrow. Besides women's soccer, mm. you get a guarantee one win this weekend. What do you got?
3: Oh, it's easy, it's men's basketball. Yeah, me too. Hugest opportunity, quad one, resume building win. Yeah,
5: women's volleyball and basketball, they don't need the guarantee. Well, exactly, help. and again, this isn't men's like saying that stuff. the other teams
3: are gonna lose, you're just guaranteeing that one of these teams will win.
5: Yes. It's
3: men's basketball, yes. yes. I got the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Over under how many students in the show, the San Diego State student section, dressed as missionaries tonight? I go 12, because, uh, <laughs> you know, 12 is a lot. Uh, I'm gonna go eight.
0: Yeah, I mean, Vegas
3: you, had nine and a half. If you want to be seen on TV, you have to have at least eight. Like eight.
0: That well, how clump. many
5: have a bike helmet on too? That clump of white shirts, probably four with well, bike helmets on. The, the, the bike helmet ratio is gonna be 50%.
3: It's so it's such a it's such a tired
5: play. That's not safety zone approved content.
3: Such a tired play. Like I like the show is good. You got to come up with something different than missionaries and bike helmets at this point. Been there, done
1: that, It's man. so, so
3: tired. Do something Maybe new. Maybe something new, for sure.
5: Okay, this week, Dallin Hall showed off another impressive talent with his Korg impression from the last two Thor movies. Listen to this.
6: Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen Korg from Thor Ragnarok, but I'll do a brief impersonation, I guess. Hey, 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 men. My name's Korg. I'm a giant pile of rocks. You don't have to be scared of me unless you've got some scissors with you. Just little
7: rock-paper-scissors Jack, for you.
6: Thank you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, I, better, better performance, Cork, or his performance Monday versus hotel. Oh, man. <laughs> That's tough, because I even tweeted out last night. Like I have so much like,
3: respect for people that can do high-level impressions, yep. and that is high level. But I said it earlier, Like step in where the moment wasn't too big for him in his first real game at BYU and lead, help you lead BYU to a win. That, that's going to be tough to beat.
5: 10 points all in the second half. Yeah, it was Monday, but that's pretty good for oh, I oh, love that
3: My It's cool. Get some scissors.
5: <laughs> like, it's all about <laughs> the cadence of, like, down to up. Yes, <laughs> yes. Kiwi, love the Kiwi accent.
3: Has somebody checked on Johnny Linehan
5: about this? Oh, my gosh. Johnny's like, this is how we talk. What are you doing?
2: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.